Pleased to be joined by the one and only Shelby Mast, bracketologist Shelby Mastic, one of the most popular guys this time of year, Shelby. How does it feel to be uh, middle of March again and to be able to talk brackets? It's I love it. I you know I I'm I don't say it popular, but I'm kind of well known until next week, and I go back to anonymity. It's like a mall Santa Claus, but that's just fine by me. Yeah, what was going to say? What what does John Rothstein say? You sleep in April? Is that what you do? Or <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So Shelby, to, to, before we get into, and this is an open forum, open discussion for people, we've got the, the call-in line here in Hawkeye Hangout, and of course, even though the show is Hawkeye Hangout, we've got, to, we're open to questions, I know Shelby's prepared to answer questions across the landscape of college basketball, so the number to call in as always is 515-635-1601, 515-635-1601, I'll also add, I'll throw up the uh, link to join by video if you choose to do so, I'll throw that up in the live chat. But Shelby, before we get into uh, bracket-specific questions, and I know I have plenty, and we have limited time this afternoon, uh, tell people where they can find your work. Uh, who, who do you work for with brackets nowadays, and uh, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, well, now I'm flying solo. Bracketwag.com is the website. I update it every night, and you can follow me on Twitter at bracketwag. I'm not extremely active but i'm I, I do go on twitter some but my website's where my bracket is that's where you can find what you need to know how long have you been doing brackets and bracketology since 2005 2000 what, what keeps you coming back i love it i just this is like a big jigsaw puzzle a crossword puzzle and i love doing puzzles well, there there are uh, every year there are puzzles after the the uh, uh, official release is made, uh, which of course is coming up this Sunday. I'm sure there will be some upset fans, as always. No matter how much you expand the tournament, there are always people who are upset. Shelby, as you well know. So, before we get into again specifics and questions from our viewers, what is your what what are the biggest storylines you're following this week? I know that's a broad question, but is. bubble is always whatever he's looking at. But what are the biggest storylines for Shelby Mast? Uh, tonight there's a big game, uh, Gonzaga and St. Mary's. That that is one of the more important games uh, this week. Then we've got the bubble, the Big Ten bubble. We've got could end up with the possibility of three Big Ten teams in the playing games, which is unprecedented. Um, you've got the the Southeast Conference, and they've got a bunch of middling teams uh, hanging around the eh, seven, eight, nine line, even to ten. And is there a way Purdue falls from the number one seed? Uh, it's possible, and I think UCLA is the team that would overtake them with an outside shot of Texas. So, uh, and I know we've got Tim Kruger standing by, a fellow bracketologist, and I know you, you and Tim work together, and we're going to talk about the uh, mock selection committee that you're both a part of. But uh, I want to first ask you about the Big Ten, because you, you just mentioned the weird scenario in which we could have three Big Ten teams playing in the play-in round. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that even – I guess it's possible, because you just said it was possible, and yeah. I'm assuming we're looking at – well, we – I'm sure there's probably different combinations of teams right now. Rutgers has taken a tumble down towards that line. Wisconsin is near the bubble line. I think Penn State, from what I've seen, is perceived to be in for now. 
Um, just talk about the Big Ten bubble-wise. Yeah, and so in Michigan, they're still breathing on life support, but breathing. Um, you know, the Big Ten is good. They've got good teams at the top, but they've got a log jam at about three through 12. Seems like one or two games separate them. And so for for us guys doing the brackets, trying to figure out which one is a little bit better or worse than the other team, that's the trick. You look at Michigan, uh, Shelby, they had a chance to finish second in the Big Ten. Yeah. You might miss out on the <laughs> but miss the cut. Why is that for people uh, who don't realize the resume? Their early season was not great. Uh, they had some good wins, but – they had bad losses, but they didn't beat the amount of teams that others have beaten that have gotten higher consideration or more consideration on the bubble. And uh, I think that that if they'd have gone ahead and beat Indiana, that would have – I don't want to say cinched it because that's only one more additional win, but that's extra meat on their resume. And uh, But they they didn't do it. And they've got nobody to blame but themselves. One of the bigger storylines nationally, Shelby, throughout the last couple of weeks has been North Carolina. Um, the committee getting putting them in uh, because of their brand name. They've got, what, one quad one win? Is that accurate now? That's it. Uh, are, are, what, what, how do you, where are you saying on the Tar Heels? Uh, it, the name on the jersey might get them in. But if the committee does not pay attention to that, if they look at just their resume, they're not going to be in. I think it would take uh, not even a run to the finals of the ACC tournament because I don't think they would have enough good wins in the tournament. I think they have to win the whole thing. Fascinating stuff. And, again, we're going to keep diving into it. I want to uh, make sure we we give our uh, second guest uh, – time here he's got limited time this afternoon tim kruger is with us and he's sporting the creighton blue jay gear tim how you doing oh, sir? good didn't mean to shelby i didn't mean to you know cut in on your time that's all right i'm used to it <laughs> we so, had a great time together all weekend yeah talk about talk about what you and shelby have been up to man this has been a busy time of year for you as always talk about the mock selection committee and just what's what's this month like for you yeah, it's pretty crazy we uh it really exploded over last year. This year, we had we had our own YouTube channel, and we had tons of uh, views and and people asking questions and jumping in and out. And you know, like we we said, some people who've even watched it, some basketball people who've watched, it goes, "Hey, it's not for everybody because it's it's four days of constant discussion on almost every team in the '68." And uh, trust me, and I'm sure Shelby's mentioned to you, we went through every team and discussed every team in detail and, and dissected resumes up and down and metrics. And so uh, at the end of the day, Sunday, you know, after about 20, 25 hours of this over four days, uh, your, your, your brain's pretty fried with all the uh, metrics flying through it. But uh, I thought we put together a pretty good bracket. You know, I'm yeah. sure Shelby and I each had individual, you know, little differences here and there. Uh, but for the most part, I think it, it, it was said during the the, uh, the meetings that we had, I don't think we've ever in quite some time comparatively had such a close bunch on the one seat and, and so difficult, mm -hmm. not only one through three, three, but now we've got this question of four and five. And then you flip it all the way to the bottom 
I mean, from the last, from the second, third to last team in all the way to the third to last team out, they are razor thin. So I hope the committee spends the time. They, they haven't in recent memory, but spends the time and, and delays things to watch some of these conference tournaments. Because to me, I feel a lot can change. I mean, you just talked about the Big Ten, Rutgers, Michigan. I mean, I think the losers, definitely if Michigan loses, they're out. If Rutgers loses, I, it, it's going to be pretty tough. We had a uh, one of the members, Brad Wachtall, and he he covers Rutgers quite a bit. And I uh, had him on my own show last night. We we talked a little bit, and I said, you know, generally speaking, a, a team like Rutgers who has quality wins, okay, uh, can can get away with two real negatives. The problem is they have three or four. They have a bad road record. They have a 300-plus non-conference strength of schedule. They have three bad losses. Now, I'm not so big on the bad losses as some of our other committee members were. I, I think, you know, the committee has shown over the years, they kind of forget them if you have some good quality at the top. But you take all of that, and then you throw in the injury factor, and since they have lost one of their best players, they have played poorly. Mm-hmm. So you add all that together, man, that's tough to keep in. I'm going to post a new bracket tomorrow morning. I've got them. They're so close. I've got them barely edging Penn State, but it's so close. I think it was Mike DeCourcy the other night, Tim, uh, on the Big Ten Network. I believe it was Mike. Don't don't quote me on that. But I believe it was Mike that brought up the fact that sometimes the committee can re-examine you. Uh, it, you know, Rutgers is a team that looked a lot different in November, December, and even January. They lose one of the best players in Mawat Mag. And they have looked different. They have not looked like a tournament team. Now, whether that's a direct correlation, I think there is a correlation between the injury to, to Mag and how they played. Um, how much is there? How much truth is there to that? I mean, is the committee going to just kind of flush some of what they did earlier in the season because they're a different team now? Typically, the committee doesn't. Typically, the committee looks at injuries. They might move somebody a seed line or a few spots on the seed list, but they generally don't like dismiss them. Um, you know, there's look. There's a lot of teams have had injuries, so it's it. You can't just say, "Well, let's just pick on Rutgers here," you know. But there is a real uh, product on the paper, so to speak, of what Rutgers has done since that injury, and that hasn't been good. Um, there's been a couple other teams, uh, Tennessee. Now, now we're starting to get a little bit of date on Tennessee playing shorthanded, uh, and it hasn't been good. Um, Xavier, without Zach Fremantle, who's now been uh, listed as out for the rest of the year, they've kind of hung on, but they still haven't played their peak yet. But at least they've, they've had some nice wins in that stretch without him that you can say, okay, maybe they're deserved. You just watch what they have. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my Blue Jays with, without Ryan Kalkrenner, the defensive player of the year in the Big East. I mean, he missed six games earlier this year. But that's so far removed and down the road that, I don't think that's really going to have much of an effect on the committee's decision on, say, a team like Creighton, say, a team like Xavier. But I do think Tennessee, uh, they have a much smaller sample size, so it's a little bit harder. Rutgers has a larger sample size. Um, you know, we and, and you're not going to get a big sample size from UCLA with their injury now because they only have the conference tournament left. So uh, that the other team you can – not of injury, but of all the off the field, off the court stuff that's going on with Alabama, they clearly haven't looked like the same team since that's gone on. So, I think the committee is going to be challenged with with things that they probably never had before. 
Well, another thing I like to put, point out is the injury with Rutgers. Um, that's a player that's not coming back for the tournament. Yeah. Right. So that's the team that's going into the tournament. So the committee is going to focus more on the games they have without him than opposed to the ones they had with him. So that that's where that I guess that's where I'm going, gentlemen, because I think about that line of reasoning. I'm not saying it's not sound, but doesn't that also uh potentially incite some gamesmanship from head coaches. Like, why would you rule Mawat Mag out? Like, even if you know he's out for the rest of the year, wouldn't that give Peichel reason to, to stop and say, yeah, let's at least make the committee think that maybe he's coming back because we don't want him to just measure us based on what we've done without him. Yeah, that, that was so surprising about Xavier announcing the other day that Fremantle was coming back. I mean, they had no reason to do it. They could have just sat him on the bench. I remember yeah. back uh, when COVID did break, you know, and all those tournaments were canceled. And uh, the Big East played one half of basketball with Creighton, the number one seed in St. John's. Their point guard, Marcus Zigorowski, who was all-conference, tremendous player, he, he wrecked his knee in the last 30 seconds of their conference clinching win over Seton Hall. And he wasn't playing in that first game. But Creighton never ruled him out totally because they, were, they wanted to hang on to that two seed they had. So there's a perfect example of what you're saying. Um, yeah, the, the problem with it is some of these injuries happen so long ago like the Rutgers injury that you know the way the way things are now and the way news travels it's pretty easy to figure out that he wasn't coming back sure I think Kansas had an injury issue five or six years ago and they were up for a one seed uh, whoever it was it was a, a key player and they were will will he or won't he play that was the discussion last few weeks and I think the guy didn't play but they didn't announce it until after the bracket had been set. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting storyline. I, again, uh, and Rutgers, I mean, let's think about this about a month and a half ago, even with the injury to mag boy, Rutgers was in great position yes. in this conference um, and, and just nationally. So it's amazing how fast things can fall apart. So does it, do style points matter? I mean, Tim, I remember a year ago, you came on the show and you kind of downplayed conference tournaments. You said, you know, people make too big a deal of conference mm-hmm. tournaments, but you just came on here. And one of the first things you said is there may be a lot of change happening based on conference. tournaments. Yeah. Why is that different this year? Well, I, I don't know that it is. I mean, it's all up to the committee, right? But the past few committees haven't, haven't a uh, really valued a lot that's gone on, especially late, especially like Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, part of that's the timing of it all. But I think it's kind of a funny thing, right? Like the committee, you know, the committee hasn't looked at them. But on the other hand, we and uh, Bractologists and Shelby and I have talked about this too. We always fight recency bias. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the other day, Providence just absolutely laid an egg. While we were in discussions on the field, we dropped them a long ways. I think further than maybe they deserve to be dropped just because they had looked so bad the last two games. And there's so much recency bias. You, you, you know, and there's so many eyeballs on these conference tournaments. You're watching and you see a, I don't know, pick your team. And unless this year it could be a Vanderbilt, right? Wins two, three games. You're like, well, they're in. You know, well, yeah, they, they did win two, three games there. But let's look back in January. Those games in February, or December, January, February, they count just as much as these games here in March. I wish this will probably never happen. But I wish, like, for instance, we discussed Rutgers in Michigan. I wish the committee would say, 
all right, we're going to put extra importance on that game because this is like an NCAA play-in game. And we're going to give a little bit extra weight to the team who wins and a little less weight to the team that loses or something along those lines. Because I, I really feel like you, you've got to know the problem is, is, you know, you talk to one coach and one team and they're like, oh, we're definitely in when they're out and vice versa. So, you know, how much, how, how much are those teams going to get up for that one game more than any other game? You know, there's a lot of factors involved. So I know it's crazy to think that way, but I, I kind of enjoy thinking that way, but I know it's not the way it is in the real life. So that's why I kind of said that last year that, you know, we tend to say, well, people say, hey, how many games do we need to win in the conference tournament? Gosh, I, I can't I can't answer that. I, you know, it depends on what teams around you do. It teams on, depends on how what teams that you beat early in the season do. You know, your resume can change a lot and you not even play. So there's so many factors. But I think overall, this is a wide-ranging statement, the public overvalues these conference tournaments. I got one more thing I'll say on Rutgers. What could work in their favor, and I don't remember it being talked about in our meeting, but uh, they lost a game to Ohio State at Ohio State at the buzzer that shouldn't have been. Yeah. Player tested the ball illegally, so will the committee look at that as a win for Rutgers? I know it's not. didn't go down the record as a win, but it should have been. And yeah, it's, I wish we would have. I wish we would have discussed that. That would have been interesting, interesting yeah. conversation. You, yeah. you look at the resume too. The that loss. I mean, Ohio State is. I don't know where they would. Was that a home game? Was that a road game for Rutgers? It is uh, in Ohio State. It was. It'd be a quad one win. Yeah, and but but it, instead, it's a what a, a quad. It was it was considered a quad three loss or quad one loss. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's fascinating to see this group of Big Ten teams on the bubble. And I know Tim, you, you only had about fifteen minutes, so we're going to let you slide. But I got one more question before you before we do that. Sure. As it relates to the Big Ten uh, and specifically Iowa, this is an Iowa show, but we love talking college hoops. We've got Coach Gary Close yeah. on the show every week. I'm curious, you get your perspective on Iowa, and I see yeah. this question from Charles. I don't know if the if he maybe misworded the question. Is Iowa in? Iowa's in. <laughs> Like there's right. nothing they could do. They could get blown yeah. out by 40 to uh, Ohio State in their first game in the big in the conference tournament. They're still in. But the question is, where are they seeding wise? I, I after the game against Nebraska, the loss against Nebraska at home the other night, I made the comment that I think that probably eliminates them from the six seed discussion. But I'm no bracketologist. I think the ceiling is a seven. I think likely on the eight or nine line, which I don't like, but. I think the ceiling is seven. Just your thoughts, Tim. Yeah. First of all, I live over here on just west of the river on the west side of Iowa. Let me tell you, those people to the west of us are really chirping about the fact that they haven't lost a sporting event to Iowa in 311 days. They're, they're <laughs> counting it, uh, which oh. is frankly pretty unusual. Okay. Uh, I, our committee had them in number one seven, but we did. We had to release our bracket before the end of that game, so we probably, Shelby, we probably would have dropped them probably at least to the bottom of that seven line. Probably. I put it on mine. I put them on the eight line. Yeah, I, I tomorrow. I, I looked at my bracket last night. I think tomorrow I'm going to have them at the eight line as well. Um, really close between them, Michigan State, Illinois. They're all kind of bunched together there. Um, kind of a thing that you know. Michigan has two losses outside the top two, uh, 
Q1. Uh, Illinois only has one. I think Iowa has four or five. Yeah. So that's kind of a big difference. That's that's one difference. Um, metrics wise, I think they're all pretty close. Iowa maybe a little bit higher, but what I was got, I was thirteen to none in Q1 and two. So that's really that's a good good stat. I it's think a very uh, bipolar um, resume, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and a lot of big teams that like. It's kind of interesting when you look at the, you know, we put compared teams when you get six, seven, we try and compare teams in the same conference because then you kind of have like things to look at and kind of able to separate a few. If you look at the Big Ten, not very many high quality top 25 net wins, maybe one or two on these resumes. They have a lot of those between 25 and 50, though. Most of the teams, and that's kind of where they all pack in. And when you add them all up, they they pretty they come pretty close to one another. Um, I don't know who I trust least: Iowa, Michigan State, or mm-hmm. Illinois. I, I just when I start trusting Iowa, they do what they did Sunday. Um, Illinois's done this all season long, up and down and up and down. Mm-hmm. Michigan State too. So it's <laughs> it's really 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 tough. And then oh, I forgot you got to throw in Maryland, who can't win away from home. I mean Maryland's easily got the best metrics they have the strong probably the strongest resume but they haven't beat anybody away from uh college park so they came close sunday yeah so you, you throw those four in i'd probably rank them i don't know probably maryland michigan state iowa illinois but they're so close right now and you got northwestern in there i think northwestern's maybe just a tinge above because they pretty much done what they should have done this year yes um but the you know the other big factor too is Purdue. You know, gosh, if Purdue was out in the first game, they're going to lose that number one seed. So there's a lot going on in the Big Ten, and then you got Wisconsin and Rutgers on the bottom end, um, along with Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan outside. It, there's a crazy amount of things that can happen in this Big Ten tournament, and I just hope that committee takes some of it into consideration and just doesn't say, okay, we're just going to forget about the whole thing and, and put our bracket down the way it is. And I can tell you. Uh, Tim, from the Iowa perspective, um, you know, a lot of fans, including myself, because I openly admit I'm an Iowa fan, but uh, y- you watch how Iowa has struggled to shoot on the road almost all year, minus that game at Rutgers in January, which is an incredible performance really on both ends by Iowa in the rack. Uh, and then they go on the road to Bloomington and destroy the Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. So just when you Crazy. think you understand a team like Iowa – they do that. And then, you know, I think we all probably fell into that trap of thinking we understood, okay, they figured it out and they go back home and lose to Nebraska. They tend to play better defense on the road, not be able to shoot the ball as well on the road, but they, you know, it's just a weird thing. And, and the other part of this is how much do neutral site game? Obviously you're, you're talking a different quad level win or loss for each team, but um, does the committee look back at your neutral site game specifically as an indication of how, where they should be seated for a neutral site NCAA tournament game? Yes and no. We, we just basically look at away and neutral. But I know we had this discussion in our committee that we've seen in the past some teams like a Maryland struggle, at home, uh, struggle away from home so much. And then they get in the NCAA tournament, and it's like, oh, well, this isn't so bad. We're not going on a true road game, and they play pretty right. well. So exactly. you just can't tell. Hey, yeah. thanks for having me on. I really appreciate Tim, it. Appreciate the time, sir, as always. Shelby, I'm sure we'll be chatting later. All right. Thanks for the warning. Thanks, sir. 
All right, folks. Uh, appreciate Tim Kruger uh, for joining us. And you can, of course, check out his work um, at uh, TK Brackets, at TK Brackets on Twitter. Of course, we've still got Shelby Mast here, a bracket wag. And Shelby, I know we've got a, a caller waiting for us. Let's go to Tony, who's been waiting on hold. Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, Shelby, why don't you uh, share with us what wag means? Am I allowed to do that on this? Uh, is it clean? <laughs> Did you just... uh, PG-13. Okay. Wild-ass guess. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> what, what, an endorsement. What, what an endorsement for his own bracketology, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, watched, I'd say, about 80% of that this weekend with you guys, Shelby and Tim, and that was just a great process. And, like, you guys mentioned the recency bias, and I think you were almost like the – the scoreboard guy there right. letting everyone know the updates and like listening to the Providence result. And then of course the Iowa result, it's hard as humans not to react to that live. And that's what the committee's doing. Yeah. And it yeah. just, it, it was just interesting to see that dynamic. Yeah. It, it's it, it, recency bias is a real thing, but you've got to try to put it out of your mind. I, I think Dave Allman, uh, he mentioned it. He knew what, what I do every Friday afternoon. I shut off everything and pretend there were no games this week and start fresh with my bracket, going through everything, the metrics, uh, seeing if I missed something. Uh, but that that really helps me prevent recency bias as much as I can. And then a, a, another question in um, – that I saw with that uh, mock selection show, and this is kind of maybe lighthearted, and it's not uh, meant to be a jab at who I guess is the answer. Who would you guess was the alpha male in that selection committee? In ours? Uh, yes. I think Rocco probably was. Oh, that was my guess. Yeah. He, it's just he's, interesting. He's got a big very, very voice. He's very knowledgeable with those oh, yeah, loaded in majors. Yeah. Who and that's just, Rocco Miller? Rocco Miller. Okay, so yeah. who does he work for? Uh, I, think I don't himself. even know, but I know he covers a lot of games and goes to a lot of games on the West Coast, mostly small schools. Uh, he covers the games. I don't remember for who, but I know he you know has articles to write and stuff like that, but he does a lot of the behind-the-scenes work too. And he's yeah, a I'm very big fun. proponent of like uh, – a non-conference schedules like yep. having people actually play teams with a pulse instead yes. of the low 300s which we know all too well Corey, with iowa's non-conference schedule yeah <laughs> and by the way i think it was shelby you mentioned uh that big game tonight gonzaga st mary's st mary's I, I that that game last night almost turned into that, guy well, that, that was a potential bid stealer Yep. situation right if BYU sure. advances and somehow upsets Gonzaga that's a bid stealer yep sure is because there's no way BYU's going but uh that was it got to be awful tense 26 point lead for the uh, Gales and it ended up being I think a four point lead at one point in the final yeah, I think I think so final minute so yeah um go ahead Tony um the I'd lost track of what I was saying but uh <laughs> It just, I, I really enjoyed that. It was very in, informative. I just wanted to thank you guys for doing that, Shelby. Like, well, thank you for watching. Yeah. It, and you guys took all the questions on in the chat, and it was amazing just to 
I guess here's what I was going to say was let everyone know how much time do they actually take bracketing? Because people think there's conspiracy theories out there. And I know you mm -hmm. talked about that. It's so minimal, the amount of time it seems like that you guys did. Can you go over something like that? Yeah, the bracket, it, I don't want to say it does itself, but once we have our seed list from 1 to 68, we put the one seeds in the region that they're closest to. Uh, now the one, number one overall gets to pick where they go. And so they put that one, but then two, three, four, and then the second line you put closest region, third, fourth, like that, and then you go just fill it in with from five through uh, sixteen. Try to keep in mind geography is very important, and they try to get these teams playing close to home. But you sometimes you're not able to. Sometimes the only region or pod that is available. Uh, you have a team from the East Coast and a team from the West Coast, and it's like Iowa. You know, that, that's the closest place to to one of them or both of them. So that's my, my, that's my question, Shelby, with with situation with Iowa. They're projected as probably an eight, a seven or an eight right now. Right. What is their likelihood of landing in Des Moines? It, if it is available to them, they they good chance. Uh, Kansas will be their number one, and they'll be in Des Moines. So if Iowa is the eighth seed and they, the committee puts them in their region, then that's where they're going to go. If, if, they're not, if they're a seven seed, then they have to hope that a two seed is in Des Moines uh, and may not. If the three seed is in Des Moines, then Iowa's not going. It's, I, think, I think something you guys also covered was – they don't take into account location for potential second round matchups because you can't just guess Iowa's going to beat the nine seed and you're going to penalize Kansas. Right. So it's, like, not, it's not like that. They, they, they don't assume what teams are going to win to move on. They just protect the top four seeds in each region and don't put them up against somebody that could potentially have a home court advantage. Interesting. So when you look at, at regions, when you're doing bracketeering, bracketology here a week in advance, two weeks in advance, how, I mean, are you diving into all of these little intricacies? I mean, you're having to, aren't you? When you're yeah, pretty much. I got it. I look at it from when we get off the, the call here, I'll be looking at it for about the next hour, two hours till games uh, are back in play. Well, good games. Um, because Georgia Tech just beat Florida State. <laughs> Gone. Well, um, wonderful. <laughs> that, That's good for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm sure <laughs> how much is that, that Georgia Tech win? How much does that help Iowa? Uh, I, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tony, I, I know you probably have to get going, but I was going to oh, yeah, yeah. before we before we uh, continue here. Shelby, can you give me an idea of where you stand with Iowa State? Because they've kind of been a – they have not been so much up and down, but they've had these big swings of momentum throughout their season. And I know Joe Lenardi's last check, he's got them as a five, which is a lot higher than I would have anticipated at this point, given their resume. But people really respect the Big 12 Conference. Yeah, they, they respect their Big 12. And two weeks ago, two and a half weeks now, the committee had them on the three line. And since yeah. then, they had lost every game. Until they went to Baylor and they won big right. at Baylor, 
So our committee meeting over the weekend and me as well had them as a sixth seed going into that Baylor game, and they won. That's impressive. They've swept Baylor, and so I have them on the five line as well. Just for entertainment purposes, I'd love the conspiracy to happen of Iowa State playing Drake as a 5-12. It could happen. <laughs> it could happen. So, so is thanks. Drake – thanks, Tony. Oh, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Is Drake – just explain to us how uh, mid-major tournament winners get seated. Is Drake essentially a lock for the 12? I think so. Uh, the they're, they're evaluated the same way any other team is. You look at their wins and their losses, see how, where their metrics play out, and just slot them somewhere you, who's better, who's worse, and put them in the middle. And I think it'll be the, they could move to an 11 if right things fall, but I don't think so. I think uh, I'm comfortable. Everybody's comfortable with the 12. Interesting. So I'm curious as we get deeper and deeper into conference tournament play this week. Uh, and we have we see more and more teams punching, and we had teams punching their ticket yesterday. We're going to have more teams punching the t- ticket as the week goes on. How is this? A, do you foresee a scenario this year where there are a lot of bid stealers? Or do, I mean, obviously there's been more balance throughout the Power Five, but mm-hmm. uh, there have not been. I mean, I, I think it's the, the teams that are on the bubble, so to speak, from a mid-major perspective. Florida Atlantic, and is that it? I mean, it could be. Watch out for Vanderbilt as well. That's that's another one I'm really keeping an eye on. I think Florida Atlantic, they're in no matter what. So if UAB or North Texas wins, they get two conference USA gets two teams. That's the only legitimate mid major bid thief I think that's out there. Charleston. We we discuss them, and I just I know they've got thirty wins. It's fantastic, but they have not beaten anybody that's in the tournament, and so that that plays against them. They don't their strength of schedule is awful. All the metrics are awful, and so I don't see them getting in. I would love it if they got in, but I just don't see it. But I'm I'm curious about Vanderbilt. I've it's kind of reminded me if if they do what I think they're going to do, if they got to the finals of the Southeast Conference tournament, I think they'll be left out because A and M last year the same kind of situation got to the finals and was left out. And the main reason is they were finished with the bracket. They play that game on Sunday and bracket's done by then. Not going to make a switch. Never really. I know we could have this discussion for hours. Never understood why the SEC and the Big Ten are set on playing their conference championship game on Sunday. It, mm-hmm. it literally is ignored. You're basically telling me that it's ignored. Yeah, unless it's a, a chance for a bid thief. You know, uh, like Vanderbilt, they would have a contingency bracket ready if they win. But if they lose, they were already out, so they're still out. Why not have a contingency bracket based on a change in resume? Well, that makes sense. But well, I mean, that's not what they do. The record does not. Mm-hmm. So last year, Iowa beats Purdue, and I remember texting Tim and saying, "Hey, could could Iowa move up to a four? And he said, "Probably not." And he was right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I they try to take care of all the contingencies that are realistic by Saturday. 
by Sunday they want to be done with the teams in the bracket and they play some more they're going to play and let that be the end of it. All right, folks. Uh, Ryan has a question before we go head to our uh, brief commercial break. He says, who is the last team right now, a.k.a. the first team out when a long shot wins the auto bid? I don't quite understand that question. Do you understand that at all, Shelby? I uh, think so. My first team out is Utah State. I think that, that they got a chance to play their way in, but I have them out right now, and it's close. Arizona State, I put just above them, and I'm going back and forth with both those every day. Uh, I, but I think uh, the committee will have them out, uh, and so if there's a bid thieves, that pushes them further out. We are going to be right back, folks, with more with uh, Shelby Mast, Bracket Wag, and we're going to talk bracketology. We'll talk more Hawkeyes and Big Ten and any specific questions you may have. The phone line is back open. We appreciate Tony calling in here a few minutes ago, and I know it's mid-afternoon, so a lot of people are working, but feel free to throw a question up in the chat or give us a quick call if you have one. We will take a brief break. We'll be right back with more Shelby Mast here on Hawkeye Hangout from the Hawkeye of the Storm. From the man cave, Kinnick under the kitchen, authentic, original player art prints are being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. From under the kitchen's Murray legacy print, which features former Hawkeye Kenyon Murray, current Hawkeye Chris Murray, and current Sacramento King Keegan Murray, to football players Lucas Van Ness, Tori Taylor, and Cooper DeGene, to wrestlers Tony Cassiope, Alex Marinelli, and Real Woods. Oh, and only one of the greatest athletes to ever compete at Iowa, Spencer Lee. There are so many options available, and they make great gifts. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. It's underthekitchen.square.site. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. So appreciate uh, Under the Kitchen, as always, for sponsoring the content here from the Hawkeye of the Storm, Hawkeye Hangout. And we are here talking brackets and uh, Iowa and the Big Ten, as we always do here, college basketball. Tony says, uh, hate to ask this because I know the answer. Who is your favorite team? Duke. What made you a Dukie? Back in the mid-'80s, I just didn't like North Carolina. and I live in Texas. And so it wasn't nearly as big on TV. So we got to watch what they had on. And I was watching Carolina. I just didn't like them. And I saw Coach K for the first time. And when he said uh, some choice words to Dean Smith during the game, I said, I like that. <laughs> and, I've, and it's really kind of cool because a friend I went to high school with ended up going to and playing for Duke and won two titles. Wow. So did a piece of you die when Coach K retired here? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. And so you've been and you've been working with bracketology since oh you said oh five? Oh five. Since oh five. And you've worked for a lot of different major companies. I, I know you worked for USA Today for quite some time and whatnot. Till, till what, last Wednesday. <laughs> till last Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. So Talk about your experiences. Like, where, where have your being, – being in this field, being in this profession, where has it taken you? Oh, let's see. Uh, I, I was on a committee back in 2012. Uh, it was 
sponsored by Turner Sports and the NCAA, where they've sent uh, 10 of us out to Atlanta. While the selection committee was doing their stuff in Indy, we went through the whole process and, you know, got to meet Steve Smith. And we had a committee member in the room with us, walking us through the whole bit. And we got to Skype with uh, the real committee Saturday night. And that was really fun. From there, it gave me a job at uh, Indy Star. I was there, I think, three years. And then I got poached away, so to speak, by USA Today. And I've I've got to go to L.A. to do a podcast, go to Austin, do a live broadcaster and selection show, and uh, radio shows and stuff. That's been a ton of fun. We appreciate you taking the time, even though it's a, a busy time. Um, I do want to get to a couple more questions that I have for you, Shelby, and then we can uh, we can finish up with any questions the callers or, or people in the chat have. Um, you talk a little bit about the mid-majors. Uh, give me a team right now from your perspective that maybe nobody's talking about from the mid-major group that you think is the most dangerous once we hit uh, bracket time. Well, I think Oral Roberts, for one, they've had a fantastic year. They haven't really beaten anybody yet, but they played some teams. And, uh, and they, are in. Awesome. they are in because they won their conference tournament, correct? They haven't played the final yet. I think they oh, played haven't tonight. played the final yet. Okay. Well, I played tonight. Um, okay. And so they better win because I don't think they have a resume to get in at large. But I think they're going to be a fun team. Uh, Kennesaw State that won the other day against Liberty, that's, that's an interesting team. I didn't get to see them much during the year. I saw a little bit of a couple of games. But that is a very good team, very well coached. They got some athletes. Um, but the neat thing about them, four years ago, they were 1-29. and 29. Now they're 26-7 and seven, or 26-8, and eight, and they're in the tournament. So uh, that's a big turnaround, and I think it's good when you get stories like that in the tournament. Can the Big Ten get 11 teams in? They can, but I don't think they will. What would have to – I mean, obviously, you, as you pointed out, I think it's clear Michigan-Ruckers is a play-out game for Michigan. Yeah. I think if you're a Big Ten in general fan, you want Michigan to win, right? Because it gives you – it, it may be that uh, – puts into question Rutgers status, but it's the only way Michigan gets in. Michigan needs to. Oh, yeah. So if Michigan and Rutgers, if, if somehow Michigan beats Rutgers, maybe Rutgers narrowly makes the field. Michigan then maybe wins a couple of games. They narrowly make the field. Penn State's in right now. Is that? For me, they're my second to last team in. They're in right now. Wisconsin. What what does Wisconsin? They're in a desperate situation. They could end up playing the Hawkeyes on Thursday. Uh, they they can. obviously can't drop a game against Ohio State. If right. they beat Ohio State, which they should, how important is that game on Thursday against the Hawks? Uh, I think it'll be. It's obviously more important to Wisconsin than Iowa. But uh, Wisconsin, they've got a weird schedule. You know, they're horrible in the net. I think it's like 77, 78. So that you know, that's a, an area that teams don't get looked at that much. But they've got four quad one road wins. The committee 
constantly talks about quad one wins and quad one road wins. And they've got, you know, double whammy there. They got both of them. So that's why they're still hanging around. That's about the only reason. And as far as the top of the seed line, I mean, the top two or three seed lines, um, can you compare it? Can you compare the teams up at the top to teams in past seasons? Is it a stronger or is it stronger or weaker at the top? I, I happen to think it's weaker at the top. Your, your yeah. thoughts? I think so. We don't have one or two teams that have really stood out that everybody's gunning for. Uh, we've got a bunch of balanced teams, meaning that the well, maybe the worst one seed could end up on the three line. The three, you know, won't happen. But a three seed could pop up there, and you wouldn't miss a whole lot. They're evenly matched. And so, if if there's any year to be an eight or a nine, mm-hmm. or on the seven in a seven ten game, it might be this year. I think so. Yeah, I don't. There, there's just not. Now, it could be that the Big Twelve is so strong. And everybody is just that much better, but I don't think so. I think it's kind of, you know, the, the playing field is evened out, so to speak. And I think that's true throughout the bracket. There'll be some stinker teams in there, but for the most part, it's going to be a, a pretty even, a pretty fun tournament. Uh, most of the games, I'm not a betting guy, but I'm figuring there's not going to be too many games that you have a 10-point favorite. Let's go to our next caller here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Thank you for calling Hawkeye Hangout. Who's on the line? Hey, Corey. It's the real MVP. How are you doing? The real MVP. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Great to see the show. Great to hear about the bracketologist. One of my Absolutely. favorite times of year. So, Amen, brother. Um, I've just got a few general questions for the bracketologist. Okay. If that's okay. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so College of Charleston, they had a tournament hosted in their own stadium. Does that count as a neutral site win, or is, do those count as home wins for them? Uh, I think they, they're officially home wins, but I don't think it will matter either way because it's so late in the season and the tournament was scheduled there already in advance. Uh, you know, some of the smaller conferences, uh, all the higher seeds play at home. But this the whole tournament was there, uh, so I, they'll probably look at it as neutral. But I, I don't think it really matters at this point. Okay, and for them, I see a lot of the bracketologists say if they don't win their conference, they're out. Would you agree with that? Unfortunately, I would. I don't like it. Uh, I think a team that has thirty wins—I don't care who you are—that's good. Thirty wins is unthinkable to be left out of the tournament but they have not beaten any teams that are in the tournament. And that's one thing the committee stresses. They, they've got a solid record, solid road record, but their strength of schedule is horrible. Non-conference is horrible. So it, on paper, it looks like all their games were against Patsies. Uh, and I think that comes back to bottom if they lose. Yeah, I thought their win against Virginia Tech would have amounted to something this year because Virginia Tech won the ACC last year. But just the ACC was a disastrous conference. Would you agree with that? Probably. That's a good assessment, but they're still going to be okay on Selection Sunday. Uh, They'll have a bunch of mid-range teams. They don't have a 
the highest seeded team I have right now is a four seed. And I went back through brackets to 97 and didn't find a, a higher low seed for them. There are always one or two seeds. Now, that's uh, interesting. Now, obviously, the team that's gotten, I would say, the most attention for the bubble is North Carolina. They are, what, 1-9 or 1-10 in, in quad one wins? Yes. Do they have to win the ACC tournament in order to be in the field? I think so. I don't think a run to the finals would be nice, but I don't think the competition would be strong enough to be considered marquee wins. And so they might be Virginia again, or they might be Clemson, uh, maybe Miami, uh, maybe Duke. But none of those teams are standout good, so they'd probably have to win the whole thing. Okay, and uh, I'm going to go from the worst conference to the best conference now, the Big 12. With how great their conference is from top to bottom, I mean, you can see eight, nine, or even all ten teams making it this year. How is there any chance all of them make it, you think? No, I don't think so. I think Texas Tech and Oklahoma are done for the most part, barring a run this weekend. Or what's but, te- well, hold on a second. What's Texas Tech's record? <laughs> I mean they're it was surprisingly as sixteen and fourteen, I think, but they're they're <laughs> all their metrics stand up. They're it's not a horrible basketball team. They're six well, they're sixteen and fifteen. Uh, what is their uh, what, what you may know where they're at? Well, they're aren't they last in the Big 12 right now? Uh, I think, think that's Oklahoma, okay? So, but what's their record in the Big 10? Uh, or Big, Big 12, excuse me, three wins, I think. Uh, let me find it here, okay? Go, go on, Drill MVP. I gotta, I gotta find this. Yeah, I'm looking it up for you right now as we speak. They're a nine seed in their conference. They're okay. Cool. So they and their their record was five and thirteen. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I understand the conference record isn't everything, Shelby. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't evaluate it at all. But five five and thirteen, we even having a discussion about a five and thirteen team making the tournament. We we didn't. I don't think we talked about them in our committee meeting over the weekend. But they were definitely on everybody's radar. Well, West Virginia right now is considered to be comfortably in. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, they are, and, and they're seven and eleven in their league. Right, so just the league is so so tough. Every game is uh, every road game is quad one. Yeah, I saw that. Like Oklahoma's had eighteen or nineteen quad one chances. Yeah, something insane like that. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's ever. It, you would be hard pressed to find a team that's had that many quad one chances this year. Right. Or any year, for that matter. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So then, my question to you, Shelby, is the the, the, the quad system as it's currently set up is do we is the committee putting too much emphasis on the net rankings? And I mean, is it just kind of a how do, how does the Big Twelve how, like at, once you hit conference play? You can just make the argument that everybody's beating up on each other. Couldn't you also make the argument that? Everybody's just kind of mediocre. How do you evaluate that? Is it just solely based on what what the non-conference, what you did in the non-conference? I, I think uh, I think metrics have taken over where they're looking at teams on paper as opposed to watching games. I think, and that makes it for me not as fun as it used to be. 
but I'm still doing things the way I did it. Um, you know, they're putting too much emphasis on stuff. I don't want to say it's not relevant, but you know, the eye test matters. And, you know, I know Ken Palm has got a nice system and a wonderful webpage, but I don't see how you can deter determine whether a team is good enough by how much they score the ball or how good their defense is. Did they win or did they lose? To me, that's what's more important, but I don't think that the committee looks at it like that. Um, Corey, just to give you uh, – to echo that point about non-conference, do you know what Big Ten team they played in non-conference play? Who? Texas Tech. Uh, what what Big Ten team did they play in non-conference play? Uh, I don't know. They played Ohio State, and they lost by seven. Well, I mean, there was at one point in this season where Ohio State was ranked. Yeah. <laughs> so, I understand that, but Ohio State turned out not to be that good of a team, Corey. I, I mean, well, yeah, but th that's true. They but, lost uh, to Minnesota. Ohio State beat Iowa by 20 during MVP. I understand that, but they also lost to Minnesota. I'm sorry, but I don't think good teams lose to Minnesota. Well, they Wisconsin almost Wisconsin almost lost to Minnesota the other day, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're talking about them in the field potentially. Yeah. So, and who um, was it that Iowa lost to? Yeah, I mean Nebraska's not in the field during MVP. No, well, not Nebraska. Early season. Oh, Eastern Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Nation oh. was that. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. But has this been the uh, weakest bubble that's been for a while? Because I've heard that as a general perception that there's a lot of teams that are guaranteed. I think for me, it's I don't want to say a real strong bubble, but it's stronger in, than it has been in recent years. And by that I mean teams that are outside looking in, you can make a legitimate case for them, and they're not stinking up the joint. Uh, each game they're they're winning games but they just haven't won enough uh compared to the ones that are in and so for me it's a little bit of a stronger bubble okay that's that's interesting perspective that's a i, w I can somewhat agree with that perspective i haven't heard that before that unique perspective um now Corey was talking about the one eight matchups versus that um, being maybe potentially easier this year. Is there uh, the number one overall team, I believe, should be the Kansas Jayhawks. Right. I know it's between them, Alabama, or Houston. Would you agree that it's Kansas? I think it's Kansas because they have more quad one wins by a lot than any of those other three teams. But they've also been beaten handily by three teams by double digits. So you got to weigh the good and the bad, and I th I think personally Kansas I wouldn't argue against either either the other two. Okay, and I saw on Joe Lenardi's bracket he flipped recently the last number one overall seed. He had Purdue, but he changed it to UCLA. Do you go? Is it either of those teams the last one seed, or do you have a different one seed, the fourth one seed? I have Purdue right now, and they're on shaky ground. Uh, but I think UCLA would prefer to be the two team out west because if they're the one team, they probably go east. I don't think they want to do that. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, the top four seeds go based on region. So they are closest to home. Is that correct? They do. Uh, the number one overall gets, gets their pick. And if the number one overall is Houston, or even if it's not, they may end up getting Las Vegas, which is where the West is. And then the only one left would be East. And so the fourth place team, fourth number one team will go there. And it's, you know, whoever it is, but UCLA does not want to go East. They want to stay close to home. I mean, that makes sense from a basketball perspective. I mean, for me, it's felt like more home teams have won this year than normal. So I, I can understand the urgency of trying to get at home. And I believe this, the Final Four is in Houston, and I believe for Kansas, the Elite Eight and Sweet 16 is in Kansas. Is that correct? Yeah, Kansas City. Yeah, so that would be, I would assume, a massive advantage for either Kansas State or Kansas if they were able to play in Kansas City. Yes. would also be a massive okay. advantage for Iowa State or Iowa, Drill MVP. Or Missouri. Yeah, oh, that's true as well. Or, or Missouri. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. I don't think Missouri's going to have their pick of where to go. No, I'm saying, but, well, that's, you're right. But uh, they could potentially, any of those teams could potentially still, you said the the, the Elite Eight. They're, 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 how many, yeah. uh, let's see. Um what so where, where does the elite the elite Midwest region is the yeah Midwest yes. so right now man, I know Joe Lenardi's got he's got Missouri in that section drill MVP he's got Missouri okay. potentially playing Kansas in the second round for a spot in the <laughs> in the Sweet Sixteen in Kansas City I have I have Missouri on the seven line in that region okay, okay so if that's a potential upset team that can make a Cinderella type run that would be one to watch out for yep. because they'd be playing it closer to home potentially. Yes. Right. Okay. So in terms of the final question I'll have is I'm seeing a lot of hype around Oral Roberts as a potential 12 seed that can make a sweet 16 or elite eight run. I'm hearing them compared to St. Peter's. They're just the offensive version of St. Peter's from last year. What do you think about Oral Roberts? Uh, I think they're much better than St. Peter's. I, whether they have the luck factor on their side, I don't know about that. But St. Peter's was a lower-seeded team, and so they had a tougher first round but an easier second round. Uh, you know, the, Oral Roberts will probably be in that 5-12 matchup, and you, I don't bet money on those games because I'm wrong. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for doing this. I appreciate you taking all my questions. And every year I learn more and more about the brackets. So, so thank you for doing this for us. You're welcome. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call. Tell me about Furman. Is Furman uh, better than maybe we think? They are are one of the few mid-majors that their overall record pops out at you. Yeah, the Paladins are they're a fun team. They're a good team. I think it's a neat story back, I think, first time in 43 years they've been in. Um, that, that's good basketball. They, uh, the, the people that I know down there, they're in the sports business, say this they were the best team in South Carolina. And then you think about it, and that's not all that impressive. But that's still a, a nice thing to put in your mail. Um 
I think they they can win a game if they get a good matchup. Uh, they could also lose by a bunch. Yeah, currently you've got Furman playing Marquette in the first round, who's dangerous, I think, yeah. at three seed. Um, kind of flying under the radar. Not many people talking about the Golden Eagles, but they uh, they have had an impressive year. Yes. Uh, what do you make of the Big East overall, Shelby? Is it is it up? Is it down? I, I think it's it's up. The uh, the committee when they had the reveal, uh, there were several teams that they mentioned as, that would have been on the five line. They had UConn, and Creighton, and uh, the Marquette was in the uh, as a four seed, I think. And who am I missing? I think I'm missing one. Let me see. Xavier and all those teams were mentioned in the top 20. So I think I, I, you know, one fifth of the top 20 is big East. That's, that's impressive. You know, better than the ACC. (laughs) I think they're going to be some incredible seven, 10, eight, nine games. Yeah. Probably even, you know, six, 11 games. Like I, I just, I don't know about the the high end upsets because I, I just I never have a great feel Shelby on the mid majors, but yeah. I, I think we're going to have some incredible first round games, and I could see a scenario. And I don't want this to happen, but you know you have four blue bloods in the final four last year. I don't anticipate that happening because that'd just be hard to replicate. And certainly with North Carolina and Duke and those teams being down, we don't expect that necessarily. Although North Carolina kind of came out of nowhere last season, right? But as it relates to the big time upsets. I don't know if you're going to have a ton of, you know, three fourteen upsets or yeah. you know four twelve upsets because I, I do feel like there might be a, a lesser. Uh, you know, you mentioned Oral Roberts. You know, maybe Furman, but there are there are less lesser known commodities. I guess that are going to be punching their tickets here in the coming days from the mid major group. Is that yeah. fair to say? Like, there's not. There isn't a um, – I'm trying to think of an example, like a, a, a George Mason who's going to be – who's got a history of playing in this tournament and upsetting people. Um, you know, I think of the Bucknell upset years ago over Kansas mm-hmm. or, or you know, Northern Iowa. They're not going to be in the tournament. Is that is that fair to say maybe less lesser-known commodities from the mid-majors this year? Yeah, I think there will be fewer first-round upsets – but then after that, I, I really think all bets are off. I won't be surprised if, if there's two, maybe three one seeds that don't get to Sweet 16. I, I agree. You know, it's not something, again, I don't bet, and this is why. I, you know, whatever I put money on, I lose. Just <laughs> might as well, you know, I, I'm well, not good at that. And that's, and, and so I think that's the whole point here. For, for Iowa fans, this is primarily an Iowa show, but you think about where Iowa's at. Oh, you hate being on the eight, nine line. I get it. I, I don't want, I don't want mm-hmm. Iowa to play Alabama in the first round either. However, I wouldn't dismiss the, the idea of Iowa beating Alabama in the second. I wouldn't. No, I, I don't think they're nearly as strong as your prototypical one. Right. And especially with how they've played in the last few weeks. I mean, and yeah, they lost at A&M. That's, there's no shame in that. But you're you're down double digits to several teams. You come back and win, but still, the way they were playing before the incident with Brandon Miller, they just go in and walk the floor with somebody. Now they're not, 
And, you know, it's got to be taking a toll on them. I know the committee tries to avoid seeding teams to where they could rematch conference teams or could rematch in the second round. But if you've only played that team once, it's possible. So Iowa mm-hmm. theoretically could be in the same region as, as Purdue as an eight or a nine and Purdue is a one and match up with them in the second round. What are the likelihoods of that happening and how much does the committee try to avoid that? Well, they try to avoid it, but it's not an end all be all thing. Uh, I think it was 2019 the South, two teams from the Southeast Conference played in the second round. Well, Michigan State, Minnesota played in the second round. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm thinking. That's what. Yeah. And, it, you know, there's all, all this uproar. You know, people come at me about that stuff, but I don't make the rules. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, I've, I've, I have the rules uh, on my website. And, but they, they did that because I think it was 2011 when there were so many Big East teams that were on the one line, they had three one seeds, and then they were scattered throughout the bracket, and they could not make it work because it used to be if you couldn't play a conference opponent until the regional finals, the Elite Eight, and they could not make it work. So they relaxed that rule some, and they made the rule where if you played once, you could play second round. If you played twice, third round, three times, the Elite Eight. And I think that's fair. I don't want to say it makes bracketing easier, but it less stressful. What 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 have we missed here, uh, Shelby? We don't have time to go through every uh, team. Uh, I'm assuming can people watch the the mock selection committee stuff back? Can they watch yes. that back on YouTube? Yes, on YouTube. Uh, 2023 mock selection show. I think is what. You can find it that way, and they've got all the sessions up there each day, and part of it's boring. I mean, it bored my parents. So, uh, you know, I understand it's not for everybody, but you get a good idea of what the committee goes through, what they look at, because we're doing – you know, I, I, I like my bracket. I want people to read my site, but I don't – I'm not doing this to try to be saying, you know, Hey, the committee, look at mine, and this is what it should be. What I'm doing is I'm trying to figure out what they're going to do. Yeah. So if if I drop your team, I'm sorry. That's just what I think the committee will do. What's incredible, Shelby, is that people like you and Tim Kruger and Joe Lenardi and Mike DeCourcy and all these guys, like people look at Jerry Palm, they're looking at you guys as the voice mm-hmm. of, of the committee and you're just projecting what you believe the committee is going to do. I I have met one former committee member in 2012 and none since. And I'd venture to guess they probably don't know who I am and that's okay. (laughs) But you have a passion for it and uh, it is fascinating stuff. Before we finish off our show, and again, we want to extend appreciation to both Shelby and uh, Tim Kruger for taking the time to uh, to join us today. Want to give a shout out to Ascent Nutrition. They uh, are joining us uh, as a sponsor to our channel here. And if you have not checked out their great products, do so. They've got this new uh, line of mushroom products. Like they're a Garicon mushroom, which is newly released. It's an organic mushroom powder. Uh, it's got a very interesting backstory. It's researched by the Department of Defense's BioDefense BioShield program in conjunction with the NIH and the NIAID. 
military and government's research into agaricon showed how its rare compounds exerted strong biological activity. Now, you can check out this product by visiting GoAscentNutrition.com. Again, that's GoAscentNutrition.com. It's the same company that's been sponsoring us for months. They've got great coffee products, great pine pollen powder products, great stuff. And this agaricon is used to support respiratory and lung health, healthy immune system, neurological health, promotes a healthy inflammatory system. And again, just great stuff. They've also got their new Lion's Made Mushroom, which is also found here at GoAscentNutrition.com. It's been shown to support brain health, memory, healthy stress response, overall immune system health. You can mix it into yogurt, juices, smoothies, cereals, whatever the case may be, just like their algae oil, DHA, and their humic and fulvic acid products. This stuff is great for you and your pets. Good effects on animals as well. Use the code HAWKEYES for 15% off your First order across the entire website. Again, use that code Hawkeyes for 15% off your order. And again, the website is GoAscentNutrition.com. All right, Shelby, uh, this has been fun. I, I enjoyed it last year. I enjoyed it again this year with with uh, yours, uh, with yourself and with uh, with Tim Kruger. And take uh, a couple days. I, I know you can't take any days off, but... Take some time this week to take a deep breath in, deep breath out. And just remember that once we hit Sunday, most of what you do for bracketology is completed. And you can sit back and watch basketball in the tournament. That's right. There'll be a few adult beverages in between. (laughs) Much needed this time of year. Absolutely. A reminder to everybody, folks, I will be live with the one and only Mark Rogers, the voice of college football at 4.30 p.m. Central Time today. That's just less than an hour over on our Iowa football at the voice of college football here on YouTube. Again, Iowa Hawkeyes live 4:30 PM central time over at Iowa football at the voice of college football here on YouTube. Appreciate everybody tuning in for another episode of Hawkeye hangout. Have a great afternoon for Shelby Mast. I'm Corey Bratta. We'll talk to you soon.